Welcome back to another edition of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. My name is Matt Sanzala, and this is the podcast in which I talk to my friends about all sorts of things. This series, this season, or whatever you want to call it, is dedicated to my hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, if you listen to the first one this season, uh, talk to my boy Brian DePlacido. He was the singer of the band Lost, which if you listen to it, and I hope you did, you know uh, that was the first band I ever booked as far as tours and getting my chops out there in, on the road and such. They were an incredible band from Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, things like this. And they were really the people who allowed me to like learn everything, man. Like really get out there and DIY it all the way. And uh, living in vans and doing our thing in our uh, late teens, early 20s. And uh, today... We've got the drummer from that band and one of my best friends out here, Pete Stottmuller. All right. Hey, yeah. Dude, I'm so thrilled that you actually asked me to do this. Here we are on the Pusher Mania Network, a subsidiary <laughs> of Amino Caravan Productions. It is, man. Nobody, People don't know about that Amino Caravan. I mean, you know, that was back in the pre-internet days where the people, you know, you had to put it in Book Your Own Fucking Life and mm. Maximum Rock and Roll and stuff. Didn't you sell that to like RCA or something? Something cheesy like that? Just blow up, get rich. <laughs> <laughs> Dividends, man. How are, how are those 18 cent checks? Oh, man, amazing. Amazing. Oh. We're blowing up, man. This, this, this podcast is over the top, and I'm so glad to have you here because, I mean, we have a lot of history. And it's, I think, you know, let's get it all out right in the beginning this is the craziest thing in the world. Like I said, Pete's one of my best friends for many years. And when my mother passed in April, he was one of the first people, you know, out of all my friends, you know, we, we called, you know, I called and we talked and it was literally weeks later that your father passed. If, if not days. You yeah, know, exactly. The, I mean, they were, the they were side, were the be, same side by side in the obits. The same Sunday paper, the Erie times news. It was our, our parents obituaries were in the same, uh, paper and that's that's some of the craziest things i could ever even imagine right now like it's like it's bizarre we both knew i mean we both saw our parents in our last stages of life and things and i'm not surprised that i'm, I'm surprised at how it happened and how quickly it happened it's it's surreal but like i really can't believe that uh because i talked to you about i was like how's your father when this happened you know <laughs> he was about ready man he wasn't man. He wasn't going to get up and walk out of there, so no. It's everybody's in a in a better place, you know, and it's easier on you know my mom. She's good for like three people. Good. So you know we're I'm I'm fortunate that she just went to the went down into North Carolina and spent a week on the beach with us. Oh man, you know, getting up, have her tea, whatever, walk exactly. the beach with my daughter, collect some shells, read a book, take a nap instead of like. 24 seven caretaking man it's the the blessing and the curse man I, I i feel guilty telling people sometimes that i feel you know of the grief and all that but there's also relief it's a bizarre thing man to watch your parents you know suffer and then it happens you know it is what it is and, and i'm like you know because you're not just my like friend friend that we hung out and stuff like you came to the beach with us like you were around oh, yeah. my mom like we were all around each other you know your dad yelled at me before <laughs> <laughs> no, like, now i'm the dad that yells at people yeah you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree you know we're, we're more like our parents than we care to admit as i drink this beer i can't lie that 
I'm gonna have to make some changes in my life, realizing how much like my mother that I am to an extent. I want to live past seventy four. Absolutely, big Absolutely. time. I you know, get it together. But I probably won't stop beers. So I don't know. Uh, th- there's limits, you know. Yeah, there's limits for sure, man. And uh, so that's just a little intro. How um, you know close we are over these years, but man. I talked about this with Brian a bit, and it's funny because I think your memory and recollections are going to be a little stronger than his because he's had a whole nother life between this. But we all still, you and I still stayed connected to music and listening to music and trying to, you know, stay into things. And uh, 1989, a number, another winter. There it is, 89. <laughs> when the uh, first Continental Ballroom punk show happened, I believe that was in February of 89. I think so. Or maybe... <sighs> no, you mean your no. Hi- not your hyenas show. No, no, that was April of 89, but the... the Lost uh, My Three Scum Backwash? Yeah, yeah. What Man, what a lineup there. The yeah. history, the people. I mean... The Alex Lillinger, was, man. He's still around, man. He, Alex Submachine. When I lived in Pittsburgh, I'd see him marching down the sidewalk wearing a kilt with a mohawk, yeah. and he had his clipboard, and he works at this place called Piper's Pub. He's like the manager of the kitchen or something. And he'd have his clipboard and the truck would show up and they'd be unloading these big blocks of cheese and he'd he'd be marking them off and then he'd look up with a big smile and be like, yo, hey, hey man, what's up? And, uh, you know, like, I didn't look like much of a punk rocker at that point, but he still, there was a respect there and he's always been cool. He's always been this happy oh, guy. Real? And people get scared when they see someone like him, but he's like, is tender and, and social and caring and just all around like big heart. And Alex Lewinger is for sure one of the day one originals here in Erie. As Absolutely. Far as punk rock goes, when there was like four punk rockers in Erie, he was one of them. Absolutely. For you know, real. legend, legend all the way. Yeah, man. And that show changed my life big time because, you know, I always tell people when, when I was younger, younger, going to shows in Erie was like, for kids like heavy metal cover bands yeah and you know one time i got to go to there was a church basement down in little italy and uh you know little italy of erie off of 17th street or something and it was my three scum and talent and another metal band and brian remembered who it was but i don't remember um but you know that was what we had to go through to go see the shows and talents it was definitely cool, but um, nice guys, very nice guys. Shout out to the Riegers. Yeah, the boys. So, where's Roger? But the um, when that show happened at the Continental Ballroom, I mean, there was 150, 200 people in that place. It was huge, man. No For one... a local show, I never heard Lost before I went there. I never heard Backwash. I knew about Alex and I knew about Backwash, and of course, Danny Perry and Eric. Absolutely. And, and Gary Bronze was a drummer. Um, Wasn't he? I think Kenny Jabinski was. Still. No, for Backwash. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. and then Kenny Kenny was the drummer for My Three Scum at the time, and then Gary ended up going to My Three Scum. Yeah. And the, you, and all, yeah. you hear people play musical chairs with band lineups right. in small towns, and you know that, that happened with them, and we certainly had our personnel changes. Yeah, and my thing was it was such a snowy day. It was an afternoon show. It started at like three in the afternoon on a Sunday and it was packed. Like people came out for that. They were hungry for it. And then I was watching that show. My brain was like, how can I be involved? How can I be a part of this? Obviously this is, this is something, this is happening. Cause you know, we go to local shows with 30 people. Oh yeah. You know, but that show was crazy. When, um, who booked that? Who put that together? Bob Kellogg? 
Larry, Larry and Bob. Larry, Larry and Bob did it, yeah. Yeah, from My Three Scum. Again, and, uh, another pair of legends. Legends. I've already done a, a real cool Larry Weaver podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, it's out there on the SoundCloud and all the uh, audio platforms. But that show, as I was leaving, uh, Paul Yachlin, who was the owner of the Continental Ballroom, was at the door. And he's an eerie legend. Like he played in bands that, that played in New York when the you know, like the Beatles were there and, and saw them play and things like that. Like it was crazy. And uh, his history was amazing. I wish I, if he was still alive and I could talk to him for this. Um, but I walked up to him and I just said, "Hey, uh, if I could bring some bands here, like touring bands or something, would you be, would, it, would I be able to book some shows here?" And he's like, "You think you can do that?" I was like, "Yeah." And he didn't have a southern accent. <laughs> he's like, "I think you can do that." And I was like, "Yeah, man." I could try. And uh, he's like, yeah, just give me a call. And it was crazy because it coincided with, I, I assume I ordered something from the Laughing Hyenas or something, but I'd written a letter to, uh, I'd ordered some from the Laughing Hyenas and I said, hey, I think we're going to start a zine. I'd love to interview you. And John Brandon wrote me back and he's like, yeah, I'd love to do an interview whenever, you know, call, you know, call me. Here's my number. <laughs> and I was in this house right here, my mother's house, and uh, with Mike. Krusevich, who's going to be on the podcast. We're going to talk to him tomorrow. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, I was holding the letter in my hand. And he's like, call him. I was like, because we were thinking like, man, what if we could book the Laughing Hyenas? The two of us were just sitting in this living room right over here talking like, man, we got John Brandon's phone number. What if we could bring them to Erie? And he's like, call him up. I'm like, I can't call John Brandon. He's like, he says in the letter, call him, call him. <laughs> What's funny is like guys like that at that point were saying, um, I need you more than than you realize, and the fact that you called him yeah. probably made their day too. Like, you know, we got another city on the books. We got another place we could go. We're we're yeah. trying to build this thing, and people are actually reaching out. Yeah, man, it was. And so I didn't know at that time, and that's something you know. I sometimes speak to like students and things that people bring me out to schools to talk about music business and blah blah blah. And I'm always like, tell that story of like how you're sitting there nervous. You think, oh, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to happen. But you got to make the call. Try it. You know, make the call and do it. And so we did. And he was totally open. He's like, yeah, man, we could probably do. Uh, we're going to be around there in April. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> you know? and not long after that, a few short years later, we were in, um, I think we were in Austin. And we're all standing there. And uh you know, the hyenas come out and Brandon's walking up and we look at him and he looks right at you. He's like, yeah, there's our man. You know, like they loved you. They, they he still does. Well, you came down for Houston and Austin. Yes. The Sonic Youth, Laughing Hyenas and Gumball. Shows Gumball, at, yeah. at, uh, Numbers and Liberty Lunch. You guys were there. I picked up on um, that Butcher Bear was there. Oh, yeah. He was at the Liberty Lunch show. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about Small Planet. No, it's a small planet. It's crazy. But so that show, you know, was the first one. And so I was like, I saw you guys and loved y'all. And of course, you know, backwashing my three scum, but I felt like you guys would fit better with the laughing hyenas. And, uh, I was a knife dance super fan. Oh yeah. You know, and Tom loved laughing hyenas and was always, had always been friends with John and Tom was all about them. Yeah, man. And the stooges. Yeah. And I saw, I was like, hit you up. I, I remember I, I can see it. Like, I feel like I went and met y'all somewhere and I was like, I want to book you guys on this show. Did you come to a practice? Maybe probably. Yeah. I would imagine. Or either that, or we saw you at record country. Probably that, that we 
you uh, definitely saw me at record country and i was like hey can i get y'all's number because i want to um i back remember then I that said, can i get you guys number <laughs> but i was like uh man I'm, i think i want to bring this band laughing hyenas here and i'd love for you guys to open and i remember that day because i do remember yeah. mike mike or rich probably mike bought the second all record when it first came out that day Hmm. And I was looking at him like, oh, this guy likes things we do too. Hmm, what's up with this? Yes. And, and we got to give up. a shout out. Not only, um, side note, uh, Butcher Bear got me through the beginning of the pandemic mm-hmm. with, his, with his nightly shows. I mean, so cool. I remember. Uh, so, you know, props to Butcher Bear, but everybody owes Debbie Lyon in a huge way. She got Man. in all the formative stuff. She just straight up ordered and made sure it got in our hands. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that we can cover here because, you know, these kids these days, they don't understand what we had to go through. But, I mean, like, we lived in Erie, Pennsylvania. Live in Erie, you know, you live in Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, back in the day, man, we would go to Cleveland, Pittsburgh, maybe Buffalo, and hit their record stores and buy some records. But And then Record Den at the Mall was not terrible. They had records. No, they, they, were, they records. were good. They were good. And, you know... They had all that SST type of stuff, like yeah. slightly a level up from like touch and go AM rap, those types of things. Yep. And if you wanted, you know, rap and things like that, you'd go to National Record Mart or whatever, other, you know, the more commercial places. But like Record Down was the place to get records that weren't, you know, commercial. It was before the term alternative, but it wasn't Absolutely. super punk. But they had punk records. But mm-hmm. Record Country was the place where you went to the, where the people really understood what you wanted. They had the magazines, like they had the British magazines, like Kerrang and New Music. Oh, yeah. And me and all that. And like, so you'd go out there and it was a very small store in Wesleyville. And you'd say, maybe find a record that you wanted. Or but at least if you have read the something, opportunity to try something. Yeah. And you they know? had Flipside, Maximum Rock and Roll and all oh, that too. Oh, big time. The zines. It yeah. was just incredible. And so you'd go in there and say, hey, uh, I want this laughing hyenas record or whoever well she had already ordered ordered. five of them she knew they were gonna get picked up but there was a lot of stuff that you just just asked her and she'd make write it down in the notebook order in the next order and it would maybe come in six days and maybe come in six weeks yeah you never knew but when she'd call you hey i got your uh your records in yeah debbie and her husband man legends here they really held us down for a long time she still has been like the eerie historian yeah she i think she's does she still do her blog I actually looked at it today. I'm not kidding because I haven't been on Facebook for three years. And because we're dealing with my mom's house and stuff, I was looking on it to kind of look at my marketplace and all that. And I went on the past rocking bands of Erie PA. <laughs> and there was a post about the 1977 and 78 uh, Erie Days festivals that had all these local bands. And my dad was still in town at the time and he worked with a bunch of those bands. And she had posted something about the lineups of that with like Justin Time and Jordan and Guardian and the Frenchman and then of course Pistol Whip. Which oh I saw, yeah, I saw Pistol Whip when I was six years old. Well, like I Bill Cotter, that. Bill yeah. Cotter, yeah. I totally remember, man. It was crazy. As a kid, that was like my first quote unquote punk experience, I suppose. Record? And, uh, oh, go ahead. She had posted that, and I was like, "Oh, Debbie, man. Oh, man, I need to see her. I need to get in touch because she's." the central figure of so much here back then. She, she deserves a plaque somewhere, you know, real. Um, it it was cool when way back, uh, when I first met Bob and Jim, 
the uh, the guys that I played music with before we started mm-hmm. a, re- a quote unquote real band, if it ever was. Bob Rhodes and Jim Beveridge. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, this guy named Jeremiah Bruce, he introduced us to Bob, or he introduced me to Bob and Jim. It was weird. I'm sitting at lunch, and uh, Jeremiah's like, "Hey, man, you play the drums, whatever." I'm like, "Uh huh." He goes, "You looking for a band?" I'm like, I-, "I think so." And he goes, I know some guys. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, put it together. And he spins around in his chair and he goes, Bob, this kid wants to play with you. I'm like, what the hell? He was eight feet away from me. <laughs> and uh, so we'd ride the bus to Bob's house and get off. And we'd walk down the hill and into Wesleyville and go to record country. And um, we were listening to um, a lot of medley type of stuff at that point still. Uh, anthrax. Metallica, a lot of thrash type mm-hmm. of things that you can hear in the early music. And, uh, you know, I, I don't listen to that stuff anymore. It's pretty boring to me. But I'm impressed that guys like Charlie Benanti, he's he's huge, man. He, he's like larger than life still. I cannot fathom his career. He's the new Pantera drummer. Oh, really? Like there's a revamped Pantera and he's doing that. Yeah. He deserves it, man. Or even look at like the drumming career of Dave Lombardo. Oh, man. What's it like to be drumming for the Misfits now when you're like selling out Madison Square Garden or whatever it is they're doing? That's ridiculousness. One of the greatest drummers of all time. I think for a while, Gary Bronze was possessed by Lombardo. Hmm. You see it in his playing, you know? Yeah. Did he have the double bass? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He could double bass like a marathon runner, you know? Oh, man. Man, yeah, those were the days, and I feel like, but what I want to stress is, like, that was, like, the beginnings of everything, you know? Like, when I came, when we linked, it was like the light switch came on, man. It was like, all right, it's time, you know? Like your song, it's time. That's right. It was so fun, like. Buy it on Discogs. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know (laughs) Three bucks. Man. I got a couple copies. They're more expensive, though. They're, They're personal. Oh, yeah. uh, I got I've got a, a stash of stuff. Yeah, of I've got a bunch of tapes anymore, like the reel to reel tapes. Oh wow! From the recordings, I've got the masters, but there's probably not a machine that plays them. Oh, they exist. Get them. I, I'm sure you probably got to book some serious time. Yeah, man. Uh, so when you guys didn't even have like the seven inch out the first time, and right in that beginning, but I think you might have by that hyena show. We, I think it was in the in the works. Yeah. Because yeah. we recorded that at Mess Music on Peach Street here in town. Mess was on 26th and Cherry. He moved to um, right here by uh, uh, Andy's Pub. Oh, really? Yeah, he had a store by Andy's Pub. Actually, I remember that. I yeah. remember that. Crazy. Where was his place on 26th? Right next to the Dairy Mart. Between Graham's and the Dairy Mart, which wasn't Graham's back then. Oh, I think that might have been towards the end. No, I took guitar lessons there, which was way before I ever met you. And I, I only did that for a very short time. When All I was right. Very then I got it backwards. Yeah, that guy, he, he did our first recordings. I'm not quite sure he knew exactly what he was doing. But, it was a little snare heavy. Uh, quite a lot. Yeah, <laughs> quite a lot. Quite a lot. I, I think someone skimped on the mix. Man, that's been a problem. Or Man, someone needs to tone it back a bit. Man. We're gonna have to get that remastered Lost catalog out there on the Spotify or something. We'll get the the hologram version. Hologram Lost. Yeah, man. But that that was so amazing because from there, 
booking shows through the summer of 89, which you brought all. I did. You brought all to Erie, which is crazy. What's, cra- what's really crazy is you bring all to town and you pay them like 300 bucks or something. Maybe, mm-hmm. I think it was five. Yeah. Three or five. I can't remember. And then I think it was five years ago, I went and saw Descendants at this place in Buffalo. And it was the most bizarre thing I ever saw in my life. It was huge. Like 5,000 people. 5,000 people, huge. On the left side, there's a giant arcade. On the right side is like a plexiglass garage door that rolls up, and there's a soccer stadium in it. There's 100 people up at the bar and people eating dinner and stuff, like bar food, and then a ton of people on the floor. And I'm like, this is not any kind of punk rock show. Like, what is this about? I don't understand. And it, it's so weird. Milo was wearing one of those camelbacks. Like he had the tube oh, coming right. over his shoulder and he had like the hunchback look going on. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while in a song when like there's a solo or whatever the hell is going on, he throws that tube in his mouth and pulls some Gatorade or something. Oh, man. And then uh, they actually had Scott Reynolds come out for maybe two songs at the end. What? Yeah, really weird. Nobody knew who he was. And I'm like, well, that dude's from, uh, I think, Fredonia. That's right. Yeah, he's from Fredonia. So I, he, obviously he's back around or something. All those records were so cool, man. I mean, to think about the influence the Descendants had on what came later, pop punk-wise and stuff, and like before that was really even a term. And to see that they can get out there and tour and make some money and, and do it to this day is just fantastic. I mean, they do – I mean, the last time they were in Austin, I think they did Stubbs, which is – 1800 people now wouldn't that, big. wouldn't butcher bear uh booked that what did no. what did butcher bear what was he the booking agent for hmm well, he does exploded drawing which is more experimental electronic and things like oh, that. oh right right I mean, he do, he's done that series and he puts out insect records he puts out all kinds of records from people and he's more in the electronic realm but he comes from you know as a drummer a punk rock drummer for years absolutely like he started with like didn't they play with like Babes in Toyland or something? Well, he was real close with them, and uh, like they toured with the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, wow, and stuff like that a long time ago. His band, uh, which my brain is so slow sometimes, but no, he did did a lot of cool shit, man, for real. You know, on the on the Descendants idea, the all idea. Think about every once in a while, I try to process something like what's the reality of a guy like Bill Stevenson? Mm. He was in a zillion and one huge bands. Black flag all the way down. Absolutely. Just, it it makes no sense, but it's no different than like, oh, you know, that's, that's like, uh, Chuck down the street there. Oh, uh, the Dukowski kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Him. Man. Or like treat it like a real job and that's your career. Like my mm -hmm. friend, my friend, Rad Richard in Houston, I remember him telling me that he never really was in a band because when he met Bill Stevenson, he was talking about starting a band and Bill was like, are you willing to commit eight hours a day of your life to practice this band and to do this and that? And like, he went in on the whole, like, this is how you do it. And Rich was like, no, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) not really. We killed that dream real quick. He, he didn't chase the punk rock rainbow very far. No, no. Um, it's cool that you said that because 
um, a little while back, I did a lot of work with that band, the Bronx. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Joby Ford is one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. You were doing their website. I was doing their web work. And uh, I've got credits on one of the records. Nice. uh, Maybe two, actually. Um, But Joby treated it like a real job. It's a real job. He, He did... He did design and he did practice and he, you know, he really worked the craft and it's, it's a lot of what got him there and they've been going strong for a long time. Like they're, I think they're, they're in Europe right now or just got back or something, man. No, they've had a machine. They've had a little bit of a a revolving lineup of drummers as well. Mm -hmm. Their first drummer, um, he, when he quit, he went to, um, uh, uh, the Eagles of Death Metal. That's right. And now that he's quit the Eagles of Death Metal now, I think he's doing nothing. Hmm. Um, but he was in line. He was a, a Foo Fighter uh, candidate. Damn. Yeah, yeah. He's He knows Grohl. He was, like, they partied together a while ago. And then, like, it's cool to have been part of the whole Bronx thing because, like, when they got to switch out drummers once in a while, like, they had the guy play with them who's the drummer for Seal. I'm like, what do you mean seal? And he's like, seal. And he sends me a picture of seal. Like, what is this? Um, But now the guy, um, oh man, I'm doing what you just did. I can't, I locked up on his name. Joey, the guy that was in uh, um, Quicksand. No, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of Stone Age. Yeah. He's the one that, I forget what their song is. The one with like, it sounds like a cowbell woodblock type of thing. Hmm. That's a, uh, it's like a plastic wood block that Latin percussion makes. And he like, he played the drums on that track and made that sound, that, that percussion instrument notable. Hmm. Um, but Joey's also playing right now. He's in the Bronx, but he also plays with the circle jerks. Ah, that's right. Yeah. We're still on the road killing with, it. Which again, negative approach. What's like, how do you process seeing the circle jerks in like, a venue that holds 5,000 people. It makes no sense. And, and it, what's going through Keith Morris's head when he's sitting there going, everyone used to try to kill us at shows. The police would come try to beat us at shows. And now we get like escorted around and we live on buses with our own security. Man, it well, makes it's, my kids, it's like, bizarre. My youngest Elena went to see the the Circle Jerk Seven Seconds Negative Approach show. I mean, she went to see the new version of Black Flag. I mean, they're into like the legends, you know. I mean, it's really cool that that it's, they were able to sustain. I mean, if you think about it, just this past week, Tony Bennett died at ninety six, but Tony Bennett was oh, doing shows. I missed that. It, at least till right before COVID. I don't know if he did post-COVID shows, but Tony Bennett was doing shows and, and performing in his, well into his 90s. That's wild. And he's not the only one. But I mean, like, I'm just thinking this week, like, I saw that he passed, and I'm like, man, I didn't think that dude would ever pass. <laughs> that dude was just going. I think he hit a point that he just quit aging, and he always looked the same. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't I mean, That's craziness. When you're really into it, you're really dedicated to it, and that's what you do. You get on stage, and you do it, and it's like, I think that's the the coolest thing, man. I mean, like the groups that we came up on who, you know, were scraping along in the van. Oh, yeah. They still still stayed true to it. And again, Keith Morris, we played a show in L.A. and didn't have anywhere to stay for like four or five days. Mm -hmm. And someone said it around Keith. 
And uh, he offered to have us stay at his house in the Hollywood Hills. His roommates, he had a band called Bug Lamp. Yep. Uh, that, I don't know if they ever even put anything out. He gave me a shirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's probably in a box somewhere. <sighs> we'll save that for when I clean out my parents' house. Yeah. Um, we stayed with Keith because the other Bug Lamp people were away doing something. And Keith was really, really cool. He was extremely thoughtful. Um, he was very polite. He was just an all around like golden, nice guy. And at that point he wasn't partying mm-hmm. and, uh, you, you know, he'd ask us thoughtful questions. He'd say like, okay, so like when you guys are on tour, what's your diet? Like, what are you eating? And you know, we'd give the typical answer. We storm gas out of the van food. and buy gas station yeah. hot dogs, three yeah. for a dollar. We'd fight over the last two. Yep. And uh, we walk around with an empty milk jug full of water and drink like a gallon of water a day. And Keith's like, oh, no, no, no. You got to have three meals. You got to take care of yourself. And you got to have something to burn when you're up there on stage. And I just looked at him like, oh, oh, this is interesting. That's really real. But uh, I don't know if you ever heard this story. We're standing in the kitchen talking to Keith. And uh, he looks at one of Brian's tattoos. And he goes, uh, who's, who's that on your arm? Is that, um, is that Paul Stanley? And Brian's like, no, uh, no, it's, 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 uh, it's Exine Cervenka. Mm. And he goes, well, I know Exine, and that doesn't look like her. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, we better, I better put my head down and like go to the Man. bathroom or something. But his house was really cool. It wasn't like some drug crash pad. It was really, really nice. I bet. And he drove like a little MGB midget type of car, and it was it was on a hill in a Hollywood hill, and you'd look down across the throughway. And there was this place, and it said had a big sign, and it said Jeffrey's Auto Styling. And I'm like, Keith, what what's that about? And he goes, Oh, they uh they make all these cool Hollywood cars. They made like the Land Speeder and those trucks from Battlestar Galactica. And I'm like sitting there, like, what the fuck? And like the I think like the Munsters car, like all that stuff Dang. was getting built across the street from his house. And you could see cool things in the parking lot, but you didn't know what they were. Man. Because the movie never came out yet or it never made it to whatever. But, you know, I, I think that was a really cool adventure in the, the punk rock road of, uh, you know, Keith took care of us for five days. He's a genuinely nice guy. I mean, that was the whole thing, you know. Like, if you were into punk, man, I mean, there really wasn't anything like it. As far as that goes, I mean, as far as the camaraderie and the understanding of how you're going to, you know, each one take care of each other, you know, like you're, you're going to go do a show for $40, maybe 200 if you're lucky, but even 200 bucks isn't going to get you too far with gas and hotels and all that. And so you get your friends and people put you in the, in their house. I mean, one thing I remember about us on the road, and I don't know why I didn't go to the California shows, but, um, we were on the road a lot, like six week runs and stuff. We went out pretty long that one time. Yeah, a couple times, and uh, and that's this is a it's such a weird dimension that it was all pre cell phones. Oh, we had no cell phones. We were writing down the directions and measuring the, you know, it'd be like one inch equals a (laughs) hundred miles on the map. You know, true cartographers. No, we'd have a literal. We'd have a ruler. (laughs) 
yeah. a ruler in an atlas be like, all right, that's going to be about three hours. Well, the one day Brian like wrote like um, Augusta to Atlanta and wrote the miles and then he did the math with what um, it would cost per gas and he kept in the console the correct number of dollars cash for like the next gas run and then whatever wasn't in there, maybe we'd like buy more gas station hot dogs yeah. or something like that. That was the budget. And like, I remember you and I, though, we would stay in the van a lot because Mike's van had like custom two like benches. That's right. Like, yeah. Two separate benches. We'd go with two vans. We were, we were bougie. Oh, yeah. And uh, I also remember y'all's van in the uh, one of the bridges like between D.C. or like the new like the Manhattan Tunnel. One of those things was just when you were uh, backfiring and it sounded like bombs going <laughs> off. <laughs> like for half the tour but um we had many mishaps but i remember like specifically I, one memory going to lubbock we're not gonna get too into lubbock but uh yeah there's but there's we went a to lubbock there's and, some issues there no there was some crazy shit but like we went to lubbock and the promoter didn't show up like he just had ghosted us and the lady who was the bartender were like hey you know we're um supposed to play tonight and uh she was like uh it i don't turned, know anything about that it turned into like open mic night or something it was like an open mic night and roach a crazy guy black uh cat scratch fever he did cat scratch fever yeah uh he made her roach. pussy purr with the stroke of his fingers yep he delivered that line so hard i was like oh man no, but I remember the bartender was like, yeah, my daughter's staying with her dad tonight. I got an extra room and y'all can just stay at my place. I'm sorry this all happened. And we're like, great. And you and I were like, we're going to get in there and we're getting a room, man. Forget this. We got to get a, get in a room. And we opened the door and turned on the light and it was like roaches and everything just scattered like crazy. It was uh, like so more bugs than we ever saw. We both were like, we're staying in the van. Yeah, van it, man. Sorry, dude. <laughs> I appreciate your hospitality, but you know, this, this thing fits my body perfectly. Yeah. This, I was like, I'm gonna this get the plywood kids, bench. Yeah, plywood bench. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how we did it. It was fun. Man. Yeah. Like, we. I remember there was a place in Chicago that was like wicked nasty. And there was like a dog that was like puking and had diarrhea everywhere and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I am not sleeping in this. No, that was. But the, there's, yeah. I got a. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this story. When we were in San Diego, we were staying with John Reese, mm-hmm. and, and John Reese, his Headhunter Records under Cargo Records signed you guys for two records. Yeah, yeah, two. There was uh, the guy from Cargo Headhunter. His name was Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're staying with Reese and, uh, we played a house party somewhere. Uh, we, we could hit pause in a second or whatever you want to do. Uh, we were playing a house party somewhere and, uh, someone said, if this guy comes around in the night, j- just kind of steer a, a wide circle around him. He kind of came with the house and that when the people moved into the house, he went to one set of them and said, uh, hey, uh, your friend said that I can stay. And then he went to the other guys and said, hey, um, these other guys said that I could stay. And it took him weeks to figure out that nobody said he could stay. And uh, he lived in this big closet that was underneath the stairwell. And they said, uh, if, you, if you wake up in the night and he's sucking on your toes, don't be alarmed. 
and the uh, the people living there, there was like oh. this little girl with with uh, the braids and like the dirty plaid little house on the prairie dress, oh. and her boyfriend was this big, huge skinhead guy. Like it was like the total odd couple. But this guy was living under the steps in this closet with this stench, and I was like, you know. I'll be damned if I'm sleeping in this house. No. <laughs> I was in the van that night, and I think someone might have slept on the couch but was holding a bat. Maybe that's why I'm a hotel snob now. <laughs> I'm like, no, four-star. We have to, uh, yeah. you know, it's the one thing we ask. We have to have a nice... Uh, There's a lot to be said for screening your roommates. Mm. But yeah, that was the dude that lived under the steps. A very... Very bizarre episode, but we played a party at that house. Sure. And it was a good time, and everyone from Rocket from the Crypt was there, and probably like uh, uh, Fishwife, mm. you know, uh, like Rick, uh, Rick Fork wasn't in Fishwife, but like the Pitchfork guys that was Reese too. Like, uh, you know, that's just that little circle, all those yeah. friends. Um, there, were, I think there was another band in there. Drive Like Jehu? Uh, all the same guys again. Yeah. But you know, it was it was their little scene, and they you know they they took care of us best they could. They were very very nice. They're excellent guys. Did you see actually that Rick Fork died? Yes, Froberg. Yeah, that's a that's a big loss. Big music, art, everything. You know, and what sucks is, of course, he's not far from our age. Yeah, I know. We're going through that point in life, like that first round of your friends gets married and has kids that first round of friends has their divorces um i know guys that have beat cancer already at like 50 something Mm -hmm. and you know it's just like we're at this weird point where it's not common but that's what we're creeping into and it's it's sad you know i mean dude you i I mean i'm not gonna get into like more than 10 friends of mine have lost parents in the last like six months. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like when we left here, when my mom passed and I came home right after your dad passed and we came home for that week, you know? So it wasn't even weeks between them passing. And uh, it might have been a week, like week and a half or something. But I came home for that one week just to kind of check in first, you know, and we this was the end of april and the news said that the day we were supposed to fly out of cleveland in the morning they said um it was a tuesday they said expect wet snow and i was like man i ain't driving in wet snow at six in the morning what was that april yeah and so i'm always mildly suicidal on that day in april that's in the Erie. Worst. like that's the worst it, it'll be like april 8th or something stupid and I look out my window and it's snowing these huge flakes sideways. And I'm just like, could like a satellite please crash into my house right now yeah. or something? I can't do this anymore. Well, we stayed with my friend Sarah in Cleveland and we were hanging and she's like, I'm so sorry. Oh, this uh, I'm sad about your mom, blah, blah. And then uh, like a week and a half later, her mom passed. Oh, like, God. There's so much stuff, man. Like this is a really crazy time in life. And. As, and it's just how everyone has to deal with it. You progress through and you are blessed to live as long as you can. And you know, uh, it's, but it's like, yeah, right now it's just surreal, surreal. What else is sad is that um, we're starting to see like people that didn't take care of themselves or have like 
legit hard substance abuse issues mm-hmm. are it's just kind of hitting the fan and they're they got a, they're paying the piper on it and it's it's not cool it's not no. cool and i tell my own kid i'm like i go it's something will happen at his school or whatever and i'll go you know if this didn't need to happen then why did it happen i saw a um uh jello from the dead kennedys gave the uh eulogy for dave brocky when he died mm-hmm. and uh you know he does his whole his whole spiel like he always does and then towards the end of it and he goes and dave would still be with us because he knew better mm-hmm. but he didn't listen and that's just like beyond tragic and un- unfortunately you and i have a list of friends that that all knew better and that makes it's it true. that makes it harder i yeah. think it's true as i sip this jenny cream and <laughs> as i'm about to open another yeah i mean it, you know it's hard you know but you got to watch the signs man life is one big road with a lot of signs you got to watch them yeah and pay attention we were both very lucky that um we had a lot of things work out to our benefit for sure situations so on and so forth man lucky decisions yep Um, and i mean you know our parents i'm 51 and i know people who lost their parents way younger oh yeah you know i I feel fortunate i wish it could have been different and again like i I, like i still you know since my mom you know my mom died she had copd really bad lung lung issues and she smoked back in the day like everybody and in 2023 like I seriously, when I look at people, I see people smoking cigarettes and it just freaks me out. I'm like, you still smoke for real? It's strange. Like, I'm around it really so smoke? little anymore. It's strange when I smell it. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, like every bar, every restaurant, every everything, it was it was there. And now the car. It's like, yeah. <laughs> With the windows up in the oh, winter. From five degrees, man. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's crazy. Like, yeah, when I see them, I'm like, why are you still smoking? But. You know, people do what they do, and there's people who live long lives. Somehow it, it happens. It works for yeah. them. I don't know. Man. And we've all seen people quit, and within three months, they're dead anyway. Yeah. Let's so, talk about new music. Let's talk about new music. Uh, Let's cut the therapy session. Right. Well, I the, the <laughs> last week we were talking, and you were like, yeah, I like a lot of these bands in Toronto, and you were telling me about them. He's like, I really like, I really like this rapper Shad. And I was like, man, yeah. I love that you said that because... Shad's the real thing. He's the real thing, and he's a good friend of mine. We worked on Hip Hop Evolution together. I knew him before that, too. But like, he's one of those guys that's like so... This is not the era for someone that's as complex and intricate and... He's too smart. He's so smart. He's and too so smart. like his flows, not just the the words. Like he's an intricate rapper. And he, what I like is it's refreshing. He's a it's happy amazing. guy. Yeah, he's happy and he's humble. He's amazing. He couldn't be more real. I, I love a handful of his songs, and I'm really not into rap these days. Yep. Um, and it's like I'll hear a song like something that Shad does, and I'll look at my wife and I go. If all rap were similar to this, it's all I would listen to. Or mm-hmm. or I or like how come there's not mainstream radio stations playing like happy, cool, positive rappers with with complex rhymes and bars and they're just like 
dudes wearing jeans and a t-shirt shooting their video in an alley on a $200 budget or on their buddy's camcorder, which mm-hmm. goes back to that whole DIY bit. And, it, it, you know... I mean, it exists, and there's stuff like... I mean, I listen to... Sometimes I listen to, like, DJ Riz and DJ Eclipse on Sirius XM, and they're, like, they're real hip-hop. They play the New York real style, good stuff. Like, you probably won't hear Shad on there. No. You know what I mean? Like, no. they don't go... Even the, the guys who are really into, like, you know, better than average rap, there's so many people... There's so many unheralded artists out there who also... They're unheralded in the mainstream, but you found them. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, they, they do have fan bases. They have people out there who are ordering their tapes from Germany and downloading things and listening to them online and watching the videos, paying attention, and they can tour. I'm not have even trying Cadence super Weapon? hard to find music these days. Have you heard Cadence Weapon from Canada? No, I don't. Never, I've never even heard He's the dope. name. I'm gonna send that to you. Okay, cool. For sure. Speaking Good. of Canadian rap. But those are like, there's so many, like Fat Tony. Have you heard Fat Tony? I see you mention him a lot. Yeah. I mean, these guys, like, there's so much stuff that's so good. And so it's so hard for me. Like, I will complain with no, um, no, uh, nothing. I mean, I'll just, I don't care how people feel. Like, yeah, I'm older. It is what it is. And I'll say that a lot of the trap shit sucks. You know, a lot well, of the stuff that's on. You're you know, not supposed to like stuff that 23-year-old kids do. Man, I do, though, because I like a lot of weird electronic stuff. True. You know, I like a lot of stuff that's like... I mean, like it's not off limits, kids, but... You know, but... The, the, I work in a, a design lab at Mercyhurst, and I don't understand a lot of the things that these kids like. I just look at, like... I, I get what you're doing, but I don't perceive it, or... You know what I mean? And then I go... But I'm your parents' age, and that's probably for the better. No, nah, I mean, it's to- we have different experiences. When we were kids... Absolutely. We would put a needle on a record and listen to the whole thing and decide what we liked and what we didn't like. Now, you didn't, you know, maybe you would be like, oh, this sucks, and you'd take the needle to the next song, maybe. But usually you'd listen to it, try to see what's going on, and now it's like 15 seconds. Like, fuck it. I yeah, don't like it. and these kids are born after... People were trying to write songs to be ringtones. Right. True, 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 true. It's like, I don't, nowadays I'm like, I don't give a shit about your playlists. And I don't like. I hate playlists. People, I can't stand playlists. Like, whatever. Um, I still think that a good, I love when I hear a good record front to back that's just solid. And it's. Not necessarily like a concept thing, not like a Pink Floyd type of thing, mm-hmm. but it's this is a good group of songs, and they they recorded them well, and they put them in a logical order. Like I um, do you ever listen to from Australia Violent Soho? You sent them to me, yes. Man, absolutely one of my favorite bands anymore. Their records are so good; it's disgusting. I, hmm. I wish I could play in a band like that. It just sounds like fun. It's so, like so much fun. And when um, when I quit playing music, I, I wanted more. I wanted to have more fun. I wanted to be in front of more people. I wanted to be with people that were extremely um, dedicated, like what you're saying. Well, boy, you gotta you gotta put in your eight hours a day, and you need to this, and you need to that. You know, I wanted to play with people 
that knew their instrument and knew their craft and had quality gear and could put in the time. And, and there's a difference I've found with like all kinds of different walks of life in that you've got someone that's um, like, it's, it's like owning a business when like you've got this guy that's a businessman that can make anything go because he understands how it all works versus this guy over here who's the enthusiast about something and he loves this, but he doesn't know shit about managing his money or whatever. And so I ran into that a lot with punk rock. Jim and Bob and I started off wanting to be good musicians and then punk rock found us and, and we took it our own direction and it, that's what made it go. You know, that's what made it work. That's, that was the beginning of getting some real traction and so, like, I'd watch in the scene, you know, Johnny goes out and buys a bass for 45 bucks and can't afford to put new strings on it and the cords bent over and duct taped so that the shorten it won't, won't make it quiet. And I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with that shit. I, I, can't, I don't want any part of it, even though that dude's a nice guy and he's cool. But I just wanted, I wanted the next level. Mm-hmm. And so when we quit playing music... Um, or like when the band dissolved, I constantly had people, hey man, we should jam, we should get together, we should do this, I want to play gigs, no, 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 and I'm like, in my head I'm going, I hate the word jam and I hate the word gigs, so you're already a red flag to me. Mm-hmm. I want to I practice and I want to perfect and then I want to play shows and I want to be serious about it. I don't want to be a jackass. Yeah, I mean... There's all kinds of levels of this shit, man, for sure. And Absolutely. Everybody's got their own thing. And as long as you're having a good time with it, I think that's what's most important. You're hitting on a huge point, uh, a huge turning point in my life musically. Um, you know, we, we all went through that stage where all the punk rockers, when we were young, like they're all, a bunch, they're like bigger and elitist snobs than the football kids were. They were more vain. They wore they wore their colors harder than any of the football kids yep. that were nice kids, um, and you know they were. It was like punk rock as an elitism, and there was a point that a guy that I know who grew up in Cambridge Springs, um, he now lives out west, and he's all in the he's he's a lifer in the snowboard mountain bike scene. Like he works for companies. He's the real deal. And the one day he said he was in town and my kid was young and he's like, he's like, so you got a mountain bike, man? Like, yeah, I I mean, I don't ride it like you ride. And it's, it's not a a high end brand or whatever. And he goes, it doesn't matter. As long as you're having fun and getting rad, that's hella cool. And I'm just like, God, that's so refreshing. Mm -hmm. It is so refreshing. Just have fun with it. And it, it, it's just so weird that, like, everybody wants to be a huge, successful band in the early days of our, our early days of punk rock. But all your fans want to keep it private. Oh, yeah. Like, you fuckers can't hear I this. Do. This is mine. That's me all day. Oh. We, <laughs> I want the advanced cassette. That we're no all, everybody's <laughs> got a shade of guilt there. Yeah. And when I, um, when I truly was past all that i started listen i i didn't listen to music heavily 
um, I, I wasn't looking hard. You know what I'm saying? And I had other things going on in my life. And uh, a lot of people I knew were, you know, I like Wilco. I like Sunvolt. Mm-hmm. I like the drive-by truckers. I like Jason Isabel. Like, and that's all cool and whatever. And the one day I'm just sitting there going, and they're all going, Every all the music we listen to is just a bunch of recycled shit. No, 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 no. And I went, I know something's happening. I just got to try a little bit again. Exactly. And it wasn't even, I didn't try a lot, just a little bit. And I started discovering all kinds of great stuff. Stuff that I can't even understand how they, they it's so well written and so well performed. Like, have you ever listened to Pup? No. They're from Toronto. Uh, I, I love a lot of Toronto stuff anymore. Pup, incredible band. Um, extremely creative videos. Just like really great. Uh, I like the Flatliners. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Toronto again. Uh, there's another, uh, do you know the single mothers? I, I've seen it. I don't know. I'm yeah. Single mothers are cool. Toronto again. There's another Toronto band in there. I, I can't think of it at the moment. Well, do your kids have passports? Um, Oh God, I'm ashamed to say no. Man. I mean, well, you know, get them just to go to Toronto. That's a, that's a three hour trip. I've had it on a post-it note on my desk for months. My kids, my kids' first passports when they were young enough for it to only be valid for five years. Uh, I got them passports just so we could go to Niagara Falls when we came up to Erie one year, and that was the only thing they did in those years. Like we went to Niagara Falls a couple of times, but then it became like my youngest, Elena. Toronto's her favorite city. That's cool. And I mean, we all love it. They haven't been to Montreal yet, but they all love Toronto. We we all love Toronto and. Uh, this year when they went before they went home because you know elena turned 18 while we were here how'd that happen where'd that come from Ava's 21 god and uh so i dropped him off my k and i dropped him off at the rainbow bridge they took walked over the bridge got an uber to the the bus station and took a bus to toronto (laughs) for four days the rainbow bridge Mm -hmm. we don't have any stories about that yeah, you were there. Oh, <laughs> we're driving around in that huge Grand Torino with the bumper chained on. Yeah, I had a 1975 Ford Torino. It was my <laughs> first car. I bought it for $100, and uh, the bumper was chained on. There was a big hole in the back fender. There was a, It was a mess, but it got us. To, we, we were going to see. This is before, This is what you kids don't understand about not having the Internet, but we were going to see Guar. Yeah. In Buffalo. It was, it was uh, when Guar was still on Metal Blade. Yeah. Which is strange. Wasn't... um, It wasn't a big venue. Wasn't the Goo Goo Dolls on Metal Blade too? Yes, they were. They were. first album, yeah. I've got got a Goo Goo Dolls story, but you go first. Man. Oh, yeah. The Goo Goo Dolls were playing like little ass places, like nothing, and they blew up. But the... um, Like the metal shop in Buffalo. So we went up to see Guar in Buffalo, and we get there, and there's a sign on the door that's like, sorry, show's canceled. That's how we find out two hours away. Uh, there was a guy on the sidewalk. We didn't even get out of the car, I don't think. Hmm. He said They said like some stupid story like the drummer went crazy and we believed it. Because it was after, um, it was like the week after they played, what was the thing in New York City, the new music seminar? Probably, yeah. Yeah, like it was like a blurb on MTV News. Yeah, so we went there and the show was canceled. And for those who don't know, Buffalo is just right there on the border of Canada and Niagara Falls is right there. And I said, 
well, whatever, we're up here. Let's just take over. Let's go to Niagara Falls. Let's drive over the bridge into Canada because it was really a cool, kitschy, it still is a cool, kitschy little town. But even back then, it was really cool. Yeah. And so we get on, the, get in the car, go over the bridge, and it probably took us maybe an hour. There was so much traffic to get over the bridge. It took us a while. And my car was old and big and, like, overheating almost. And we pull, we get up to the customs, and we're like, Give them all our ID, and we're like, yeah, we're just gonna come to Niagara Falls for the evening. Blah, 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 blah. And they're like, pull over here, y'all. <laughs> and uh, and of course, we up. too dumb to keep our mouth shut. Yeah, we pulled over, and uh, man, they tore the car all the way up, and they were searching us. And I'll never forget. Like, I think Canadians are some of the nicest people in the world. Not these, these the, ones. Not the border. Patrol. Not these guys. The border Patrol people were the worst, man. They were like the worst jocks type guys you could ever deal with, and. Uh, I remember one thing the guy was like, does your girlfriend have a bag of weed up her ass? If she does, we'll find it. I was like, no. He did not say that, did he? He did say that. Because Kim, everybody, my sister was there. Yeah, yeah. Chrissy was there. And I was your, like, gr- your girlfriend, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, uh, no. And we're standing there like looking at our records. I remember I had the first Mud Honey. You had the Tad record. And probably Tad. They held it up there like, what is this shit? <laughs> you bunch of freaks. Yeah. And I'm like, what? It's just some records we bought in Buffalo, man. Home like, of the were, hits, baby. Yeah. I was crushed when that place closed. Oh, man, yeah. And so they were like, you know, just tripping. And we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And they bring us in the room. And they're like, "And is me, you, Mike. He's doing a podcast, too. And we're like, uh, first of all, your car's not in good enough shape to be crossing a border. Y'all are too young. And uh, they want to know how much money you don't we have enough money. And we're like, what do you mean? And like Mike pulls out this knot of money. It's probably like a hundred bucks. He's like, I got money. And he puts it on the desk. Like just whatever. <laughs> and they just signed the thing and like sent us back. They didn't let us in. Yeah. And so we're thinking, all right, whatever. We drive back across the bridge, waiting traffic again. We get to the American uh, checkpoint. And there were two guys standing there. Yeah. And they were laughing at us before, as we pulled up and yeah, said, and like, they didn't, even they let, didn't let you in, did they? And they're like, nope. And he goes, why don't you pull over there for a minute? Yeah, and they searched us too. They went through the whole thing. I'm like, we didn't even get in. They were running our names on like the most ancient computers. If even. Like, man. I bet Hoffa's name wouldn't pop up on those computers. No, that was a joke. And so it we didn't fun. get in there. But... It's kid shit, though. You know, they, yeah. they knew we didn't belong there. So they're just like, get out of here. Why don't you go home, you jerks? We wanted to see Niagara Falls, an incredible yeah. feat of nature. Thank you, Canada. Elitist. America. That, yeah, that's sure. more elite than some of the snobby punk rockers. Yeah, that was crazy. I'll never forget that. But, you know, so now you got to have a passport. I'll tell you a story about um, how I almost lost my wife. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, there is a story where um, we've been, a uh, different story, but we've been, do you know that we've been married twice and divorced zero? No. That's that's a whole nother deal. Uh, that's about passports, though. That was legality because we um, we eloped to Mexico. Ah, okay. But like that's another road to go down. Anyways, yep. um, I knew that when we were kids, like you and me, not her. She's younger than me, of course. You know, I'm what, or maybe not. You know, not of course, but anyways, she's younger than me. <laughs> um, He's a rock and roll dude, you know. Of yeah, course you know. I mean, um. We we really liked the Goo Goo Dolls a lot. They mm. were a punk rock band. They yeah. were the real thing. 
they were they were hard they were fast they were loud they were a little bit snotty um you know resnick was always the pretty boy but robbie's the ugly gnarly dude and they were a great punk rock band on metal blade records and their first record or no their second record jed that's that's a i think that's in the line of being a masterpiece and hold me up's a real good record too we liked that band you know and this is pre before like they're singing whiny ballads and dressing like steampunks and bullshit like that and then we also liked soul asylum printer was he was great man he was a skinny white boy with dreadlocks and white t-shirt and he sang great songs and they played great music they were a solid band and then the labels got a hold of him and blew him up and then he's a whining crying bitch and he's dating with Noda Ryder or whatever and fucks that up and no 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 and you know I met my wife at a point in your life that it was like the Goo Goo Dolls and Soul Asylum really suck like what the fuck is this that was and that so was my, unnerving actually my wife's at my apartment in Pittsburgh. And I'm catching a shower before we go out, and she's going through my records. And she's just like, she just kind of stopped, and she's like, oh, shit. This guy's not a punk rocker. He likes the Goo Goo Dolls. What the, oh, I don't, how can I get out of this? Oh, no. That almost <laughs> ruined everything. Yeah, it almost ruined everything. But like, you know, we, we listened to what we did, but my wife liked, like, um, some of like the she knew who David Yao was because of Pig Face and stuff like that. Sure. She liked things that were cool but not quite in our vein, and and we had some common ground on things. But like she, she's like, how could you like these whiny fuck nuts? Like, what is this? Like, you don't understand. You don't. Said, sure, buddy. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. No, really, we were hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh huh. Are you gonna cry a ballad to me, bitch? And like. Oh man! Yeah, I remember. we we still get into it about that once and again. And you know, when she hears this, I'm gonna get it, and I'm gonna be like, "Look, dude, I'll put this song on, and you can't deny that it is a good poppy punk song." And we were stoked. Uh, it was Buffalo, man. You know, like we had that group from right down the street, the Goo Goo Dolls, and then all of a sudden, it was the same thing. Like, first of all, I actually wasn't a Green Day fan before they blew up, but no, and I feel I, was I really feel I for Green Day. I do. Why? They're rich. I, I feel because on their on their climb to being rich, they were getting shunned in their own scene. They were they were hated. They were oh, ostracized. They actually didn't change. No. They still did their punk pop punk thing and they did their thing. I just what that the California punk was never my thing. I like the San Diego for the most yeah. part, but like the Northern Cal and like that I was even not really like bad religion in those guys. I mean you know, I'm not against it, but I wasn't about it, you know. Ten Maybe slightly more. I was like, I think I'm finally ready to try listening to Bad Religion. There's a lot of good stuff there, man. I mean, they're not a t- bad band by any means. It just wasn't yeah, what I was into. At that you know, point, like, it wasn't appealing. It was more, we're from Erie, man. Like the East Coast, I wasn't even in, I wasn't in a hardcore. Like no. New York hardcore. Certainly not like Warzone like, and all. It was like the Midwest, the crazy Chicago shit. Yeah. More touch and go, amphetamine, reptile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like Hazelmeyer, man, earlier punk, genius, you know, like so. But yeah, the Goo Goo Dolls, man, that them blowing up, like doing Super Bowl songs and shit. Was like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? 
No. <laughs> they couldn't have been further from home at that point. No, we saw them in like the smallest little venues. Yeah, we played with the Goo Goo Dolls in Rochester and maybe, wow. maybe a couple times we played with the Goo Goo Dolls. And, uh, you know, of course, Resnick, even back then, Resnick was kind of a snob, but like the other guys, were, they were nice. And, Super nice. Yeah, yeah. And I've got nothing. They were... They were who they were, and they were a great band. But, you know, it's the cliche. The label gets a hold of them and says, I need you to do an A and a B and a C, and they did it, and they got paid. Big time. They killed it. When when the, when the Lost recorded in Rochester, what was the band? It was like Wild Cherry or somebody's studio or something. Like April, like I don't it? know who that guy was. Um, his remember. name was Ron Mesh. Hmm. It was like near Letchworth State Park. Right, but I remember there was some like old know, school band that the reason the studio existed was because it was like a seventies band that did well at a certain point in time, and the guy was able to build his studio, and like we went up there and y'all recorded there. That sounds right, but I couldn't. Tell I can't. You. I never can remember exactly what band that was. I do one of my one of my lasting memories about that is we went to um, uh, Nick Tahoe's in Rochester, oh, and you get yes. the garbage plate. Yes, like insanity super my, cool uh, my stepmother's friend my my father's wife this was 15 maybe 20 years ago i don't know when but i remember they were in texas and uh they're like oh hey this is so and so and such and such they're from rochester new york and the first thing i said to them was like did you grow up on garbage plates and my stepmother just like her mouth just dropped like what did you just ask her? <laughs> like, did you really just ask my friend you just met? Did you grow up on garbage plates? And the lady was like, "Oh my god, yes!" It's like, it's like that's <laughs> that's local versus like these jackasses yeah, over here in the corner. You know, it's like going to Philly and you say, you know, what I I my line from the year I lived in Philly that I've picked up was like, "All right, dude, you say you're from Philly." Where do you get your cheese steaks at? Do you go to Pat's, the king of steaks, or do you go to Gino's? Mm. And all the true locals say Pat's. But I met a kid at Mercyhurst at my job. It was, I think it was last fall. And I said to him, he's like, yeah, I'm from Philly. I live in Center City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad's a, a cop or a fireman. And uh, I go, all right, I got to give you the Pete Philly test. Geno's or Pat's, and he just looks at me and he goes, "Neither." Wow. <laughs> I'm like, "You fucking won the show, man." Yeah. That's like, you, he goes, "Why would you go to either of them places?" I'm like, all right, dude, you wow. you knocked it out of the park on that, man. Absolutely, absolutely. You gotta find the real. Mm-hmm. Man, it's like saying you go to Buffalo and eat wings at the Anchor Bar. Where did you get wings the other week? Duff's. That's the spot, I mean, man. Duff's is When I saw you went to Duff's, I'm yeah. like, he knows what to do. No, Duff's on Dick Road or another level. Were you coached on that? How did you know to do it? Oh, man, to be honest with you, um, when my wife came back to America in 2020 after her mom passed and she came to Erie, to stay with me, you know, like we have been trying to get it together, you know, and, and she went through all that in 2020 and she flew into Buffalo and it happened to be a weekend that my sister was, uh, in town as well. So I was like, man, I'm going to hang out. Cause I was staying with my mom for a good part of 2020 when Roger passed. 
up here in Erie. And so when I went up to, uh, when I went to pick her up in Buffalo, we stayed two nights just to kind of, you know, in an Airbnb and just to be away, you know, that, you know, just, you know, where she first arrived and I'm asking people, you know, in, in 2020, you weren't even communicating so much with people like that, but on the streets, you know, we're like, where do you get wings here? What's the best? And people would be like, man, well, Duff's, but they're not all great. And you have to go to the right ones and this and that. And I was like, <laughs> you went to the Duff's by the airport. Yeah. 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 No, that's <laughs> that one. That one is next level. I don't, I can't understand. Like, how can you make wings like that much better? Cause Dude. I love wings. I'll go eat wings all over the place. But I actually, my friend, Babu Blake's just uh, spoke at a, a university in Buffalo this weekend. And I told him to go to Gabriel's gate and to go to Duff's on Dick road. What's Gabriel's Gate? It's another local wing spot that's oh, more right. in like the Elmwood sort of area, north of downtown. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was good, real good. And he was <laughs> staying downtown at a at like for a university, like whatever he was doing, like a speaking engagement. And he loved it. He was like, and I said to him, I was like, dude, eating wings in Buffalo is like eating Tex-Mex in Texas. Right. You can go to a Tex-Mex restaurant in Pennsylvania and it might be okay, but like, it's not going to be as good or the same. Like if you go get wings in Texas, you might get good wings, but it's not like going to like Buffalo. No, nope, <laughs> you know? that's why it's called Buffalo. Hot. Yeah. And it's amazing, man. Like, uh, oof. yeah. So we had some tips and like when somebody was like, yo, you got to go to the one, the one out by the airport is, is real good. It's crazy. It's, it's not even, I can't even explain it. Like how can a chicken wing be oh. so much better? <laughs> I've got I've got a buffalo story for you. Yes. Um, well, a uh, Rick James was in Buffalo a lot. Like he was a Buffalo fix from Buffalo. He's from Buffalo, and of course, there's the Rick James grave in Buffalo mm-hmm. that you gotta visit. It's like it, it's pilgrimage. I haven't done it. Damn. You gotta go see the grave. Uh, oh, and you did. You saw. I went to the grave of Bonzo the chimp. That's right. Right here in Erie. Wow. Uh, something like the Forever Pet Cemetery, but um, oh God, I lost it. My Buffalo story. Uh oh, I Uh-oh. got I got sidetracked by Rick James. Well, Charles Gale yeah. is from Buffalo. Oh originally. wait, here it is. There's I um from doing web work with the Bronx. I, I I wouldn't say I was like close with some of those guys, but we talked a lot. Like Joby Ford is a brilliant designer, a brilliant musician, and a super guy. I can't say enough good things about him. And what's crazy is we we also have these stories like his daughter's a titch older than my son, and his son's a titch older than my daughter. And so we had similar parenting stories, and sometimes we'd have to get off the phone when we were working out web stuff because he had to do some dad shit or whatever. But... um. Joby said to me, he goes, I've got this friend and they're having trouble with their website. Can I give him your number? His name's Tad. And Tad, not Tad Sub Pop, but his name is Tad Kubler. And he's the guitarist for the Hold Steady. Mm. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know the Hold Steady. I, I like their records. They're cool. And um, so I'm... I I uh, I call Tad or Tad calls me or something, and we're just kind of like feeling out the waters on on taking over the Hold Steady website because the guy that was previously doing it was a big fan, and he just kind of started it at a point, 
but he died unexpectedly. Ugh. So they, you know, they were in a twist. And so I went to um, Buffalo puts on a music series called Canal Side. And it's like eight great Tuesdays, but Buffalo, you know, mm-hmm. they play at the Buffalo Canal side. They got a big stage. It's, it's free. Cool over there, yeah. yeah, you know, good stuff. And every year there's at least one really like a band that all of us would want to see. And that year the Hold Steady played it. So I talked to Tad and this and this and that. And they come in from New York City and I meet them early and we hang out a bit and we have uh I think we went to dinner, maybe, maybe, actually, maybe not. And so uh, we meet at the venue and we talk. And uh, Craig Finn, the singer from The Hold Steady, very notable guy, he's like, he's like, hey, we're we're all going to this place in Buffalo. It's called the Founding Fathers, and uh, it's the bar is decorated like with War of eighteen twelve shit. And when you order a drink at the bar, the bartender's this old man who apparently used to be a history teacher. Mm. And so, like, you'll be standing there, you'll go to order a drink, and he'll be like, it's time to stump the bar. And like, huh? And he goes, all right, which U.S. president from Buffalo? La, 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 la. And he'd, like, say a thing, and everyone's like, uh, I, I got to go with Millard Fillmore. And it was all like Buffalo trivia. And for a while, we were all really sucking at it. And he, he's like, he goes, um, all right, we're going we're gonna to expand the, the geography a little bit here. Um, this man in whatever year, da-da-da, Pennsylvania oil. I'm like, Sir Edwin Drake. And he's like, you're not from Buffalo. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm from here. He's like, ah. But we're hanging out at the Founding Fathers, and it's really cool, good vibe. And uh, I get talking to Craig Finn, and Finn says to me, uh, we're talking music. And I go, yeah, well, you know, I was in a band a a while back. And he's like, oh, yeah, bands. And he's finning it up. Like, he's, he's Craig Finn on stage and off. He's the real thing. Not like blag, which is a different deal because you can't be blagged out all day. No. You'd, be, you'd make it like four days. So Finn's being Finn, and we're talking about music, and I'm like, yeah, I was in a band and whatever, and it wasn't a big deal. And he goes, uh, so what was the name of your band? And I, I tell him, I'm like, you know, we were we were on Headhunter Cargo, and, and this was our band, and I'm just kind of ashamed. Because, like, I didn't feel like anybody, we didn't, I, I like to think I'm humble about it anymore. And, like, we didn't do shit. We didn't mean shit. We didn't mean anything. It was insignificant. And Finn says to me, lost, huh? Hmm. Yeah. We called him Beverage. Jim Cold Beverage. And I'm like, what in the, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, Craig Finn can barely say my name. Jim Beveridge is in the band in the beginning. And this dude in a bar in Buffalo, 35 years later, goes, we called him Beveridge. Jim Cold Beveridge. I'm like, what is this about? And he goes, me and my friends interviewed you for our zine when you played the 7th Street entry, First Avenue. 
I'm like, you were there? With the libido boys? Yeah. We interviewed the libido boys. (laughs) It was like a cultural exchange. I'm like, are you trying to tell me that before Craig Finn was in a band, he interviewed us? Wow. Like, I'm not going to say that we were formative or influencing or whatever, but like Craig Finn always writes songs and sings about like, Catholicism and drugs and tragedy in South Minneapolis and the scene. Wow. I'm like, this freaking dude interview. And I like dug really hard through my head. And I remember just a very shred of that moment. But I'm like, I'm like, how do how do you of all like these guys played like Bruce Springsteen plays with them? You know, he'll come on stage. And I'm like, how does this guy pull from his memory bank a moment that insignificant? Man, they probably, just like us, though, we'd look up, like, who's coming? Oh, Libido Boys. You know, Libido Boys are Minneapolis. But, like, who's this band opening for Libido Boys? Oh, they were in Flipside. Oh, I can hear this. You know, like, that's probably what they did. And they came to the show, liked it, and they're like, oh, can we do an interview? Craig Finn isn't a ton different than you and Mike. Wow. Or me and Brian. Mm. It was just so crazy. And then someone said to me a little later, they're like, um, yeah, every once in a while, Craig does that because he can pull the the deepest, most heavy music trivia. They said, we were in a label meeting once and this guy was in there and he said that he was in a band and they only had one single and it didn't do anything and it didn't go anywhere or whatever else. And on the way out of that meeting, Finn looks over his shoulder and like drops some facts about this guy's band to him and everyone's like, oh, what the hell? Well, How did I mean, you do that? I listened to like a dude from Fucked Up's podcast turned out a punk, and I'm like, man, da- Damian Abrams. Yeah, I'm like, how do you know all this? <laughs> like, there's certain people who are just like savants to this. There's right, like, boom, they just channel into like, because I know a lot about music, I think, but I don't know shit. I wish I could like bottle up and refine some of the things that we've even seen. Yeah, tell the story real quick about. Uh, you booking no FX in the middle of the summer. Well, there was a band called the AGs who, we, Oh, that's right. You know, and remember lost in my three scum played uh, ABC no Rio with the AGs later. Absolutely. In the first tour, lower like, Manhattan. Yeah. Super cool people, man. And the AGs, um, my brain is not fast enough to remember the guy's name offhand, but I can see him hit me up. was like, Hey man, we're on tour with no effects. This is 1989. We're on tour at No FX, and um, we have an off day on a Tuesday. And can we do your venue in Erie? And I was like, and I like the AGs, and I didn't not like No Effects, but it was again another like California. Like, Did they only have punk one punk. record at that point? They had a couple. This Did is they? the S&M Airlines tour. Oh wow, that's a, yeah, that's a little bit in. That was early. It was like maybe third, fourth. I don't know, but it was um, uh, and I was like, look, man. I know who no effects is and I like you guys, but Erie doesn't know who they are. And it's Tuesday and, uh, you can have the door. Basically I can book it. I have to pay the sound man. I think it was like 150 bucks for the sound man. And that was about, it was like 150 bucks to, to do a show there, you know? Yep. And, um, I was like, you can just have the door, whatever it is, you know? And I think I paid no effects. I think I gave him a hundred bucks, like 60 for no effects and 40 for the AGs or something. I was just like, Hey, <laughs> Thank you guys for coming, man. But it was like, 
I, you know, it was, it was, they knew it was Tuesday night. Yeah. Tuesdays are still hard to fill. They needed to plug that hole. It was just to have a show and not be off and get something and get some food. And I was just like, they probably stayed at the scum house, you know, probably just had a place and it was just a, I know, bet they stayed at a rest stop. Maybe. Yeah. But between Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, like here, it was a okay stop, especially on an off night. And, uh, it's more than what you had, but that freaks me out, man. Like it, it, cause they blew up too. green day and no effects on them. They blew up uh, Goo Goo dolls. Goo Goo dolls blew up, man. Yeah. I was like, what? There's a longer list and we just can't pull so it. So many that this in that era, like, Drive like Jehu, man. Yeah. Rocket from the crypt. I always get bummed out. One day I was thinking about Interscope Records and Rocket from the Crypt and all that other type of stuff. And I was sort of going like, you know, once you figure out that the industry latches on to who they think they can sell or promote. Mm-hmm. I was I was driving one day and the thought popped into my head. I'm like, Rocket from the Crypt was on the doorstep of... A, a cultural, a music revolution. But someone went and looked to the other d- direction, like they looked right, and they looked at Fred Durst. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and they're like, I can sell this dickhead. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, like yeah. this guy in the red hat backwards that's just like, doing face close-ups into the camera and acting like a jackass. And like, this music is so shit that we can sell it to anybody. Sorry, man. We're, we're going with them and rocket from the crypt. You can go over here and you can do your thing for a while and then, and then move on. Man, rocket from the crypt was incredible and they were complex. Like they were not simple, you know, you know, whose drumming career is like, insane to me is Adam from Rocket from the Crypt. Yeah. He's played with everybody. He's in the Alkaline Trio now. Mm-hmm. He was in um, um, uh, who, uh, tra- I don't remember. Transgender Blues Dysphoria. What band is that? I'm locked up on it. Uh, Man, uh, I'm the worst uh, at name that tune and yeah. quickly answering things. Um, I, he's been in a million and one huge bands, and um, Adam is a great drummer. He's solid. I mean that that dude was put on this earth to play drums. He was in a motorcycle wreck a while ago, and it was fairly bad. But he rehabbed, and now he's playing for the Alkaline Trio. Man. Adam also sat in and played for the Bronx for a while recently. Hmm. But the guy that I was really gun shy about is when Adam quit Rocket from the Crypt, they brought in Mario to play. And I felt that Mario played his songs good, but didn't play Adam's songs as well. And when I watched Mario play with Off, holy shit, that dude... It's like magic. He is really yeah. good. Off is and, so fun to see. And he was a pro skater. Mario is so rad, it's sick. And then, have you ever got into Earthless? Nope. I looked at him like, what the hell would I want with any of this? Man, it is good. They are incredible. Dope. Oh, man. Like, 
the way those guys play music together, it's not even next level. It's like off the levels. It's like in the cosmos. Earthless is an incredible, just watch the YouTubes of their live performances. Mm. It's religious. That's dope. Just so, so radical. But watching Mario play with off, just, it was so perfect. It was great. And then you put in like all these other guys that were in off, like McDonald, like so good. So good. Uh, I, I really have, I really admire Mario as a drummer. He just, it makes me feel bad. I'm like, dude, you, you really, you quit before you could suck. <laughs> and I get man. people that like go, man, you were a really great drummer. You were really, 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 really good. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. I can't, I don't understand what this guy was doing. But I think that there is a point out in the, like the time space continuum that drumming changed. It's different the way people play the drums now versus in like the late 80s, punk rock wise. And there's a big difference in the way people skateboard now versus mm. like when Tony Hawk was coming up, like when you watch their styles. That's uh, that's evolution, man. Yeah. Everything. Completely. The youngins, they got it. Like the old mm. guys got to shut up about like you people don't understand. And this is like, not, you go, you got it all wrong. Like. These guys are innovating. They're they're really good. I mean, that's the access thing too, though. I think sometimes think about. I told you I took guitar lessons when I was young, and I was like, yeah, like anybody wants to be a rock star, or whatever. But I wasn't into it because it wasn't my thing. But I was like, what if I had heard like Django Reinhardt and like amazing things like that, where like people who really took guitar to another level, and it wasn't just going like, da, 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 da. <laughs> like that was the only thing I knew. I thought everything was like, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day, you know, and that's what I was going to learn, and it just didn't, it was after a year or so, I was like, no. And I think this, at that point you know? in your life, you could take a band like Black Sabbath and not understand why they're that good. No, not at all. It took me a long time to wrap my head around the whole thing. Yeah. A lot of these, a lot of those bands, it took me a long time to wrap my head around it all. Yeah, especially like the 60s. I had a teacher, a friend of mine in um, Houston who was like, look, man, you might not like Led Zeppelin, but you don't like, you don't not like Led Zeppelin because of the music. You don't like them because of the fans. You right. Know, you see these dumb right. like, yeah, dude, Led Zeppelin. And you were like 14, like, I'm a nut. You're going crazy and you're punk. And you're like, <laughs> you're like fuck yeah, man. And like, these dudes are like, yeah, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, get, and you're like, fuck Led Zeppelin. Get man. out of here, you hear stupid you're ass like, story. Wait. You know, and then, and you don't even know anything about Mississippi yeah. blues or anything like that when you're a kid in 1980s. On my way here, yeah. I was thinking about um, how big a turnoff punk rock elitism really is because it's something that every, nobody joins a band and says i don't want anybody to listen to me because it's too good for your dumbass. punk rock elitism really bothered at a point i just was like why the hell is everyone doing this you know and i'm i'm not gonna say i'm 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 not guilty of it um but like how many people because of punk rock elitism got turned off to the scene and could have really been something. How many people got driven out by someone that should have been their friend? 
Man, yeah, I agree with that completely. But it was also like we were pushing the mainstream away from us. You know, we right. You know, and we didn't like, want maybe them. they would have or wouldn't have understood. But we were worried you know, they'd wreck it. Yeah, and they did. It did, it took a little bit, but they did. They, they did. did. Oh know, wait, back to Green Day. It still exists. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, MTV Punk was like the weirdest thing in the world. You know, like, there's a generation like we're older. I said I'm 51. I have no qualms with telling you that, but like. I never understood the the like you say the generation ahead of us in town like yeah. X Whites and all those other bands sure. that are legit important, but I'm ignorant to it all. Oh man, I try to get all that stuff, but I'm talking about the people who are younger than us who like look at Blink One Eighty Two as a legitimate thing. Yeah, they really like them and think they were great, and I look at them and I'm like, they ruined everything. You know who is cool. You know who is really cool is the guy, um, his name, he's from San Diego. He's dead now. Um, his name was O, Otisserie. And yeah. um, O was in um, that band called Fluff. Mm-hmm. And Joby Ford, again, um, turned me on to O. And O, um, his Instagram was really, really good. O grew up a San Diego punk rocker going to L.A. all the time. He took hundreds and thousands of pictures like Kirk from Flipside, probably more. Mm-hmm. And um, he was also a skater. So he's got like hundreds and thousands of pictures in like Thrasher and Transworld skateboarding and all that other type of thing. And O wrote a... Um, an Instagram post. O was a guitarist and he loved guitars. So he'd like take a picture of a Fender Mustang headstock and then the body and go, this is the the tool, this is the device of X, Y, and Z guy number five and all the history about it and guitar geek out. And he did that with like the Blink-182 guitar and the Blink-182 bass. And he talked about how those guys grew up in the San Diego scene and he kind of nurtured them to be a band and said that all throughout the whole process, they always remained cool and legit. But I also understand, like, there's a point that I work at Mercyhurst and I look at these, like, mainstream cheerleader girls wearing a Blink-182 shirt. Oh, wait, punk rock elitism. And I'm like, what the fuck? What is this? this like, And you don't have to like it, but... They're pretty real, you know? I I think it would have been fun to play on the first couple Blink-182 records, but when you, I think the endorsement from O is huge. He was... I wish he was alive, but when, before he died, he was like a tour guy with Dinosaur Jr., and that was when, like, Negative Approach was running around with him. Mm-hmm. And O was a big, fat, ugly guy, and he was scraggly hairy, looked like a witch. Mean, yeah. yeah, and, like... He'd, he'd talk about these bands that we hate as if they were like his little cousins. Like, well, I don't know. Is, is, I, I guess, maybe. I mean, look, you, this is what I've always said, especially about like rap music and, and things. Like, you can't blame the artist so much. It's the industry and what oh, they yeah. do it and how they make it happen. So, like, Blink 182 is they fucking used music them. didn't ruin it, but they became like this, like, it's a product. You know, it's a product that they, product. they turned into MTV Punk. And it was just the weirdest thing, man, to come from like, like, oh, it's so. Here, I'll throw some of my own punk rock elitism. 
a couple years ago, I was really turned off when like the girls that do competitive cheerleading and stuff in college are walking around in checkered vans with a thrasher hoodie. <laughs> like, do you even know what you're talking? Like, you're what not the you- only one asking that because that was a very trendy, trendy thing. Like, yeah. I, where did who started? I, I'd go home and I'd look at my wife and I'm like, "Is like Rihanna wearing Vans this week? What's the mm-hmm. deal here?" Pretty sure both my kids had Thrasher shirts. <laughs> you know, but it's all right. I, I think we all did, but I'm a 51 year old man and yeah. you're a 19, 18 year old girl. But yeah. your your kids are legit though. They understand what Thrasher is. They know who John Brandon is. Yeah. But they uh, it was funny the other day when Dan Allen he says to my son he's like, "So uh you, you know who Barry Hensler is, right?" Like <laughs> like it's a cool dude. He's he's 15. We're not there yet. <laughs> oh no. No. I, I liked that. I'm like I'm like he's saying the right things to him, but we're not, we're just not there yet. No, but my kid likes. Um, I never wanted to mold my kid to be a punk rocker mm-hmm. or a musician or whatever. But because I listen to it, it's infiltrated his head, and he likes it. Um, and he likes some other bands like uh Oh, who are those bo- those boys from Pittsburgh? They're called Anti Flag. Oh yeah, of course, freaking huge. Yeah, um, he likes Anti Flag and Streetlight Manifesto and all that other type of stuff. Good. And one day I'm out in my like dining room, dining area, kitchen, little nook, and he comes out and he sets a bunch of money on the table and he goes, "Will you take me to the store next week to buy a bass? I got I got the money I need." I'm like, "Oh shit, here we go." Great. And I said to him, "I'm like, it's it's kind of we. I don't even want to bring up diving because that just wreck this podcast. It'd go forever." But it's like when I meet divers whose like girlfriends or wives want to dive and they're just like, you can do this with me. I'm a dive professional, but you're not allowed to suck. And my kid's like, I want to buy a bass. And I'm like looking at him thinking, you better practice your ass off, son. Yeah. Because and everyone started like going, you should get out your drums and jam with your kid. I'm like, nope completely hands off he's got to run his own road mm-hmm. i'm not gonna tell him what to like he's got to run his own road now my child's also a diver and i'm a professional diver and i coach the shit out of him on that that's dope but that's a life-saving thing mm-hmm. did you see uh, i'll just like go off in that corner real quick did you see my pictures from last week on my instagram oh, where the there sharks? was like three fucking hundred sharks on yeah. a wreck with me yeah yeah I did see those. They were sharks. they were so dense. Were they nurse sharks? No, those were sand tigers, man. Oof, okay. Look, rows and rows of sharp teeth. Wow. They were so dense that they were bouncing off my shoulders. They were bumping into me, and I didn't have anywhere to go. But they were just all chilling, doing their shark thing. Man. We were in the bait ball. It was crazy. I swam man. with uh, nurse sharks in You went Belize. to Belize, yeah. Yeah. I went to Belize, man. That place, Belize is in my and towards the top of my list. Greatest I, people. I Greatest. love that place. I I want to buy a condo there. This week I don't have. I need new tires on my truck. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, of course, I want to just go down there and live in a tent. The, oh hell yeah! 
of course, the old farmer is still in me. I still, every once in a while, I'll like be walking through a parking lot. I'm like, man, check out that truck. That thing is freaking, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, I got a little bit of property and, and I run it like little Joe farmer, like, Oh, got him. Got to go out and do my mowing. I got to go out and like do my leaf thing. And you know, so punk. I, I, yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Keeping your lawn right is punk in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. You right now. Yeah. I, I got just enough and I got my little tractors and my four wheelers yeah. and shit. And, um, it, it's weird. Cause people look at me and go like, what kind of what kind of what do you listen to, man? You you probably like all that CMT country shit. I'm like, hell no! I was listening to single mothers or whatever in my truck on the way over here. Or have you heard um, um, Military Gun? Nope. New punk rock band, L.A. Solid. Okay. Military Gun. There's shit out there, dude. Man. But the farmer in me still is there. I, I take my kid. We ride a grape picker every fall still. Man. <laughs> That's nice. Shit, you're out there in great territory. It's magical. We got some, uh, my Aunt Sherry brought us some fresh blueberries up here. And I'm like, why do I live in Texas, man? Because right? I, I need to get rich enough to have the summer up here and the, the winter in the south, man. That's the dream. Because, like. Dreams come true. You can't beat what you can get out here, like the produce you can get out here and like speaking of farmers and stuff like it's just like i grew up with incredibly fresh berries tomatoes like this is corn and that's why before you leave this yeah. town you're coming to my house to grill and have fresh sweet yes. field sweet corn we're gonna do it from like a quarter mile from my house the farm that i grew up across the street from i'm with it we'll do it like, these guys they're so hardcore about it if that corn is more than eight hours old, he won't sell it to you. He goes, the sugar in it's different if it sits for more than eight to ten hours. Wow. So if he picked that stuff yesterday, he won't sell you an old bag the next day. He'll go through that in the field. He ain't one of them Monsantos. Oh, hell no. Actually, hell they no. use a lot of that shit. Do they? Oh, oh you know, Modern day seeds are coated with that stuff. I know, I know. Like the weed killers and, and fertilizers are coated on the seeds. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. It's crazy. That ain't punk. No, no. <laughs> but what are you gonna do? <laughs> but total, um, total. Uh, I don't even know what. I forget what kind of farming it is. Like, yeah. uh, like total earthy hippie farming. It, it, it just doesn't cut it, man. You're, no, you're it's, never. It's you're never gonna make a profit. You have to be out there all day stabbing the bugs, <laughs> right? With a pin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, I definitely appreciate you coming over here and getting to do this. Because, like I said, I talked it's to been my too long. and uh, you're my boy, man. I'm so happy we got to talk. And, like, the history is just, we didn't even, we scratched the surface. Yeah. All I, the shit we did, man. I hope that some of the stories we told are actually somewhat interesting. I think so. Because it's been so long in my life, I'm like, nobody cares about this shit anymore. No, but, you know, when podcasts were first happening... I looked like everything on the internet. Like I was, I was lasting on Facebook, lasting on Twitter, lasting on these things. You know, I was, I was like, what is that? I don't know. I don't know. And when podcasts first started happening, I was like, you just listen to people talk to each other. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like for what? We and had this girl like, at work. Podcasts are cool, man. That's the coolest thing. People, real people talking real things. It's yeah, amazing. absolutely. You know, I'm, we've been friends forever and I'm, I'm really actually, I'm, I'm still honored and flattered that you asked me. Please. Because, like, 
you know a lot of what I know, and we we shared it all together, and it's not like some crazy thing to us, but I, it's really special to me, and I appreciate it. Me too. You, you've done a lot for me, and half of this podcast should have been like you ask me a question, I go, dude, thanks for making that happen. Oh man, but I mean, this is what I say too about that sort of thing. Is like, how would I have existed if it wasn't for the music? If it wasn't there, like I couldn't. What yeah. would I have worked with? If the art wasn't there to work with. Yeah. But I mean, you've also interviewed some of the biggest rappers and stuff out there and traveled with a lot of bigger people. This is way more fun. You know, well, it's it's, uh, Austin So Real Amino Caravan Productions. Amino Caravan Productions coming back. That's right. Worldwide and in your face. I might buy me a 1985 Dodge Caravan just, just because of that to come back. <laughs> a maroon, maroon 1985 Caravan. Remember you guys used to like uh, dance in the pit like you were lifting weights? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Remember how we used to taunt and ridicule people? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Everybody in the world. Everybody. Yeah, we didn't even get into the uh, stuff that could get us completely canceled. No, it's probably, you know, <laughs> some things are better left in the corner. The band Get Lost probably couldn't exist in 2023. Get Lost is lucky they didn't get killed. Absolutely. Like, or even Sorry. crippled by a gang. Or a fraternity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, dance. there's so much more. <laughs> <laughs> but this is done. They don't even know yet. Man, but thank you, bro. We'll do it again, yeah. man. When and you come visit me in Texas, we'll do part two. Huge thanks to anyone that even that was so bored that they listened to this whole thing front to back because it's just my life. People like and, podcasts. Uh, yeah, and um, a big thanks to. There's. I'm not even going to start the list in a, in a big way. But there's so many people that were pivotal in making this all happen. Oh yeah, and they they know who they are. They don't need I don't need to name ten names and number eleven is going to call me out like, hey Dick, what about me? Like every time, yeah, yeah. Let's just not go there. It's cool. Well, if people want to check out your dives and your photos. What's your social media? Yeah, it's it's pretty simple. I'm on Instagram, just Pete Statmuller. It's mostly diving. D T M U E L L E R. All day, man. All day. Uh, rode over from a boat on Germany, Ellis Island, man. Man, stop the mule. Yeah, I'm an immigrant, dude. I'm only two generations deep. Don't kick us out. Eerie. (laughs) All right, man. All right, this is it. Thank you for you coming down here to do this. And everybody listening out there, I appreciate you. Don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend. Talk so real with Matt Sanzala is a thing. We're on all the audio podcast platforms. And uh, give it a share. Give it a like. Give it a clap. Whatever you do. (laughs) And uh, we got more coming up. Stay with us.